0: Little Yo Pod, the All Things Yosemite Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Jackson, a longtime resident of Yosemite and naturalist guide for the Yosemite Conservancy. Broadcasting from my backyard in El Portel, so you may hear some birds in the background or some crickets, and um, yeah, that's just part of my new <laughs> natural experience. Um, And if you're not familiar with El Portal, that's just the little town right outside of Yosemite National Park and um, just next to the Merced River. It's a very lovely place, but it does get hot here. Anyway, enough about that. Um, Today, I wanted to talk about the meadows of Yosemite National Park. So meadows are eco-wonderlands full of life and activity, from the tiniest pollinating insect to the mightiest of black bears. Nearly every wild species in Yosemite rely on the biodiversity offered by the park's extensive meadow systems which is just one of the many reasons why they are some of the best places to visit on your next trip to Yosemite. Now if you're like me you love to see wildlife when you are visiting national parks and the best places to see wildlife are generally the places offering the greatest range of biodiversity. So when I'm asked where to see bears, deer, or even bobcats I I generally direct visitors to the meadows. So Yosemite's meadows make up only 3% of the total landscape, yet they are believed to contain up to a third of all plant species in the park. That is a huge land-to-species ratio. (laughs) In fact, new plant species are still being discovered in the meadows, including the 2003 discovery of an unclassified orchid, previously unclassified orchid, now named the Yosemite bog orchid. If you have visited Yosemite before, you have undoubtedly interacted with a meadow on some level, either walking through them via the extensive boardwalk systems, I hope, or glancing across them to catch views of the geological features of Yosemite. Or you may have even joined a ranger walk or other interpretive program that took you into the meadows. But what is a meadow exactly? I get this question a lot. Um, And simply put, meadows are these big marshy clearings full of grasses and flowers very few, if any, trees. The Yosemite National Park website defines meadows as follows. A meadow is an ecosystem type composed of one or more plant communities dominated by herbaceous species. It supports plants that use surface water and or shallow groundwater, generally at depths of less than one meter. Woody vegetation like trees or shrubs may occur and be dense but not dominant. So meadows hold a lot of moisture in their soil. And in the spring, you will often find shallow pools of water throughout uh, where frogs and other aquatic species reside. So you can kind of think of a meadow like a giant earth sponge. Typically, as snow melts, it drains into rivers and canyons before flowing toward the ocean. And here in the western states, that means the Pacific Ocean. Meadows in Yosemite hold on to snow melt well past spring and into summer, slowly releasing water as it filters through the soil. So they also act as uh, water filters. Water is life in Yosemite and everywhere, generally. And where you find the greatest concentration of water and plants, you will find the greatest concentration of bugs, birds, small mammals that attract big mammals like coyotes and bobcats. Bears and deer love to frequent meadows for the herbaceous plant species that comprise most of their diet in the warmer months. Every species is connected in a meadow and everything likes to hang out there, like a giant food court in the natural world. Today, we have over 3,000 meadows in Yosemite National Park, from spanning anywhere from 3,300 feet in elevation to over 12,000 feet above sea level, where countless species of plants and wildlife reside. But many of these precious ecosystems were almost lost to us not that long ago. Yosemite's meadows in populated areas like Yosemite Valley, Wabona, and Tuolumne took quite a bit of abuse for a long time and are undergoing major restoration efforts since they were all but destroyed by farming and grazing brought by the arrival of uh, European settlers in the 1800s. Even John Muir was an early sheep herder in Yosemite. It was his first job here uh, in the 1860s, um, right after he arrived in Yosemite for the first time. Uh, early Western settlers may not have understood the value and fragility of meadows, So what they saw when they looked upon them were great places to farm, graze livestock, plant trees, and build structures. Before Western settlers arrived, the meadows of Yosemite functioned as congruent ecosystems that had remained stable and productive dating back 10,000 years, around the same time the first people arrived in North America, and not long before people first came to Yosemite. It is believed that American Indians arrived in the Yosemite region dating back perhaps 8,000 years. The people who populated the valley until the 1850s, they used the gifts of the land for their survival. They nourished themselves with plants, berries, wild game, insects, and black oak acorns. So black oak acorns were of particular importance to the people of Awani, what we refer to as Yosemite Valley today. And they used fire to help propagate their most valuable food source. By setting fire to the meadows and the surrounding landscape, the Awanichi burned away con conifer saplings in oak woodlands and encouraged the growth of grasses and vegetation for the next year, which in turn brought grazing animals hunted for food. So controlling the conifer population with fire assured that the black oak trees would have full advantage of sunlight and nutrients in the soil. Back then, open meadowland covered much of the valley floor, offering clear views unobstructed by tall conifer trees. And there was a natural dam on the western end of Yosemite Valley near Bridalville or Pahono Fall, which blocked water flow in the spring, backing it up into the valley. So all of the water coming down from the higher elevations via Vernal and Nevada Falls, Tenaya Canyon, Yosemite Falls, and other inlets, it all collected and spread out over the valley floor, creating marshy wetlands that persisted well into the summer months. Now, I'm not sure when the Awanichis started using fire to influence the land, but I do know that it was a common practice all over North America among different tribes and groups. It was ancient land wisdom carried over for generations that was completely rejected with the arrival of white settlers to Western America. And I have to wonder if this is where some open-mindedness and communication may have saved some of the carnage inflicted on the Awanichi and other tribes and perhaps influenced how people participate in fire practices that could have helped us avoid the predicament California is in today. So due to a century of fire suppression, millions of acres of overgrown forests rot with millions of dead trees, uh, dead from bark beetle infestation, and it's now plaguing the Western United States. But the sentiment Western settlers brought with them regarding fire, perhaps due to the fact that they refused to believe that the Indians did indeed know how to live with the land, as they had successfully done for thousands of years, is one of many reasons Um, perhaps that we are in this situation with the fire today. Um, But this episode, I digress, this episode is about Meadows. Uh, An episode about fire will be coming. Boy, howdy, it is a doozy. It's hard for me not to talk about it. I'm incredibly passionate about the fire situation as a person who lives here. So we will be addressing that very soon. Anyway, so back to the meadows. So when the first white settlers arrived in the valley in uh, just after March of 1851, they saw a most extraordinary place, quite different from what we see today. As I mentioned before, vast meadows and open land covered the valley floor. Much of the tree species was comprised of black oaks, and there were conifer forests, but nothing like what we see today. And every year, the valley flooded with snowmelt backed up by the natural dam. It was a terminal moraine. Uh, on the valley's west end, which was left by a glacier over 20,000 years ago. So it's just this big ridge of debris that kind of just stopped the water from flowing through too quickly. The meadows were hit particularly hard with the arrival of Western European settlers. Um, So these men and women planted non-native grasses for their livestock to graze. And they brought in other non-native plant species, such as fruiting trees, as part of the stipulations of the Homestead Act of 1862. So homes and other buildings went up in the meadows as they were stable and flat and required little to no removal of vegetation. In fact, an area called Old Yosemite Village, um, stretching from the Four Mile Trail to Sentinel Bridge covered a lot of what we know today as Cook's Meadow, one of our most beloved and popular meadows in Yosemite Valley. The Old Village had stores, bathhouses, saloons, a Wells Fargo station, photo studios, hotels, laundry, a jail. (laughs) It was like a little city right in the middle of Yosemite Valley. Just imagine that when you're taking a walk through Cook's Meadow, Dozens of buildings surrounding you, a flurry of activity of people coming and going. Now it is peaceful and quiet except for the call of red-winged blackbirds uh, by day and Pacific chorus frogs by night." Most of the buildings from Old Yosemite Village are gone now. Um, They were either raised or moved to the Pioneer Village in Wawona, but one relic remains from that time, the Yosemite Chapel, a sweet little New England-style church that is the oldest still operating building in the park. And so that gives you an idea of where the old village used to be. So the old village was removed in the early 1900s, but evidence of it remains with the church, a single sugar maple, some fruit trees, and a few giant sequoias that were planted there in the late 1800s. But perhaps most of the destruction to the meadows was caused by the livestock. So in the late 1800s, there were cows and pigs and chickens, other farm type animals brought to Yosemite Valley. But it was really the flocks of sheep that dominated the Yosemite landscape and caused most of the destruction to the area. Thousands of sheep were herded in Yosemite into the high country, nibbling the precious meadow grasses to the dirt and trampling the delicate soil. These domestic sheep also brought disease to the native bighorn sheep, like decimating their population in Yosemite and forcing the survivors to migrate to other areas. John Muir referred to domestic sheep as hooved locusts, and he was not wrong. The sheep destroyed everything in their path, disrupting ecosystems perfected over thousands of years in a matter of a few decades. And I'm not hating on sheep. I love sheep. It wasn't their fault. They were brought here. Another big disrupting factor to the landscape took place in 1879 when the decision was made to blast out a portion of the moraine that had been damming up the water flow in Yosemite Valley. And it released that dammed water pretty quickly, drained the meadows, completely altered the flow of the Merced River uh, that eventually lowered the water table by several feet and caused significant erosion that we're still trying to manage to this day. So as early as the 20th century, the meadows had endured significant destruction But it does not end there. On top of overgrazing, drastic reduction of water retention, elimination of fire practices, and uh, structures, there's also the fact that some of the best places for views of Yosemite Valley and the Yosemite High Country are from the meadows. (laughs) From 1899 to 1968, the nightly firefall from Glacier Point, in which an actual fire was pushed from one of the highest cliffs above Yosemite Valley, drew thousands of people who gathered in the meadows to witness the spectacle. It was actually the damage to the meadows and the long lines of traffic to exit the park that led to the discontinuation of the nightly ritual, much to the chagrin of visitors at the time. It wasn't until the 1960s that the meadows started receiving the attention of ecologists and when the Park Service started implementing efforts to protect the ecosystems and begin restoration. So, why restore meadows? Because they're pretty? I know as a naturalist and a person who tries to tread lightly on this planet, I have some very strong opinions about land use, so my answer to that would be that. Meadows are worth saving for their own sake and not for ours, because they deserve to just exist and function as nature intended them, and I don't need to find an inherent value in them for myself. But I am always surprised by how hard it is to convince editors of this feeling, especially when most people are visiting only once and may not see the accumulated effects of seemingly small infractions, like taking shortcuts through meadows. What is so wrong with walking through a meadow anyway? Well, one person walking through a meadow one time will not create much of an impact, but thousands of people walking through meadows over several years creates what we call social use trails that kill vegetation and divert water away from the meadows. So they dry up faster, the vegetation dries up faster, food sources are compromised for wildlife, and eventually an entire food chain is disrupted. Frogs, birds, squirrels, coyote, bears, deer, every species that rely on the steady function of meadows for food and habitat. And the longer a meadow can hold on to moisture, the greater the diversity of wildlife will cultivate there, and it decreases the risk of early season wildfires. Our meadows also function as an important habitat for monarch butterflies, a species that is in big trouble. It is rapidly declining. It may not be around much longer. Our population of the showy milkweed plant in our meadows provides those precious creatures with much needed food source for monarch caterpillars. Milkweed has been mostly eradicated over much of California. So Yosemite's meadows are one of the few places that remain in the state supporting the survival of the monarch butterfly. And I'll be honest, where I used to see dozens of monarchs in Yosemite Valley every year, I'm lucky now if I even see one or two individuals. So if you're ever on a program with me and in a meadow and I start freaking out, you can bet I have probably spotted a monarch because it's very possible that we won't be seeing them anymore in the very near future. So that's why saving the meadows and ensuring meadow health is important to me. I love seeing all the different species interacting with them. When people ask me where to spot wildlife, again, I always tell them to look to the meadows, especially in the morning or evening, and you will almost certainly spot something there. And you can even travel into the meadow due to the boardwalk systems that have been put in place there. The boardwalks take you right to the middle of the meadow for great views of Yosemite Valley, great options for stargazing, and you get to see the plants, birds, and other species up close and personal without inflicting any damage on the habitat. So what are we doing to protect the meadows? Well, the boardwalks, for one, we encourage people not to take the social trails through meadows so that those areas can recover. And there are ongoing re- uh, revegetation projects in which Park Service employees and volunteers plant native vegetation. Um, and that includes showing milkweed. They also remove non-native plant species and they even remove dirt originally placed into natural depressions in the meadows. And that removal of the dirt will encourage the collection and steady distribution of water. You can see these efforts on the valley floor in Iwani Meadow currently and Yosemite's northwest corner near Hetch Hetchy, where a major restoration effort is taking place in a place called Ackerson Meadow. So that might not sound familiar. Um, Ackerson Meadow is one of the most recently acquired portions of land to Yosemite National Park, and was at one time used for logging and cattle grazing. The Restoring Ackerson Meadow is just one of many projects largely funded through private donations to the Yosemite Conservancy and is home to many special plant and animal species such as monkey flowers, one of my personal favorites, willow flycatchers, and even western pond turtles. <laughs> I'm just dying to see one of them. Through the ongoing restoration effort, these species and many others will finally have the chance to thrive once again in their native habitat. If you want to know more about how you can help with meadow restoration, check out the link I included in the show notes for the Ackerson Meadow Project and many other links uh, to resources about Yosemite's meadows. And if you have a Yosemite visit planned in the near future, take some time to visit Cook's Meadow, Stoneman Meadow, Lydig Meadow in Yosemite Valley, or drink in the splendor of Yosemite's high country meadows in the Tuolumne area. For a trip into one of our meadows in Yosemite Valley with a naturalist, check out the programs offered by the Yosemite Conservancy on yosemite.org, where we offer bird watching and naturalist walks from the meadows and sometimes we even venture into the meadows at night for the best stargazing and I will include a link for that in the show notes as well. And full disclosure, I work for the Yosemite Conservancy, so supporting them is supporting me. But they are nonprofit and are financially credited for a lot of the phenomenal restoration work being done in Yosemite. So if you love Yosemite and you want your dollars to make a difference in your favorite national park, I encourage visiting their website and consider contributing to that cause. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Little Yo Pod. If you like this stuff, please leave me a rating and review in iTunes and if you really like this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. Um, The Little Yo Pod Patreon page is how I pay for this podcast. If you'll notice, I don't have ads, I am sponsorship free. Um, This is all self-produced, so your financial contribution helps me a lot, especially when it comes to production quality. And you also get bonus content every month. This month, I included a video of my hike and highlights around Mirror Lake. And there is quite a backlog of other videos, some Yosemite related, some just silly videos that I made when I was bored during the winter. It's really just a bit more personal content than what I put on the podcast. So membership start at just $3 a month. And I just cannot tell you how much this helps me personally, because these podcasts take a lot of time to write and produce. And while I love doing this work, I still have bills to pay. <laughs> Real talk, people. <laughs> Alright, this week's uh, listener review comes from, I'm Liz Callie, and I love this listener review so much. I shared it with my roommates as soon as I read it. I'm Liz Callie wrote, you know when you walk into a room and sense that you found your people, this is my room and these are my people. The passion with which Laura discusses the history of Yosemite is hard to match, and her depth of knowledge about the park, its history, and the impact we leave on it and it leaves on us is equally impressive. Can't wait for the next episode to drop. Well, I'm Liz Kelly. I cannot thank you enough for those kind words. Admittedly, it's a little hard for me to take compliments, but that is just so nice to hear. But the thing is, there are so many people with this same passion for Yosemite, and I'm just the one who started a podcast. My level of knowledge for this place pales in comparison to many of my colleagues, but I am just so grateful that this content reaches out to people and gets them excited about Yosemite. So thank you everyone who listens. And I'm Liz Callie. If you're listening, please email me your address so that I can send you a Little YoPod sticker for giving me that great review. Contact me via email. I'm at littleyopod at gmail.com. Or you can send a message to me on Facebook or Instagram at littleyopod. I always love to hear from you guys and get your ideas for future episodes. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Little Yo Pod. I'm Laura Jackson. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in Yosemite.